2: And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making
3: sure that it delivers for the American people.
2: We have to make our country great again, and I will do
1: that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now,
2: Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baird. President Biden looks to navigate some rough waters as he settles into his second year in office. The president travels to New York City this week as the crime crisis in major cities remains a major issue facing the nation. The Biden administration attributes this to gun violence, while critics call it a result of soft-on-crime policies. All of this as Russia continues its standoff on the border with Ukraine, and the president preps his pick for the next Supreme Court justice. For this and more, we'll bring in our panel, Republican strategist former campaign manager for Senator Scott Brown, Colin Reed political editor at the National Journal, Josh Krushal, and Fox News congressional correspondent Chad Irwin. Uh Chad, of those things, what's uh, dominating Capitol Hill's
0: focus? Well, certainly the Supreme Court pick, even though we're probably not going to know who uh, President Biden selects for about uh, three to four weeks here. He said the end of February. This will be a marquee event at his State of the Union address on the 1st of March. And, and you know, uh, you know, I talked to somebody up here uh, a couple of days ago. They said, well, we're bracing for this. This was a security official here on Capitol Hill. Uh, they remember the Brett Kavanaugh experience which was pretty raucous, frankly, in the fall of 2018. This will be the first time uh, that we've done this since the riot at the Capitol. Uh, You know, but but sometimes we have this misperception that the Supreme Court fights are just that, that they are brawls. It's absolute bedlam. It was not that way with Amy Coney Barrett, probably tamped down a little bit because of the pandemic. And you didn't have people running through the buildings here. Uh, You you know, we certainly didn't see that with Justice Alito or Sotomayor or Kagan or John Robertson even though we tend to think that these are, 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 you know, are cataclysmic events here on Capitol Hill, uh, there are certainly testy exchanges. There are certainly uh, both sides, you know, kind of steal their positions, you know, because they want the court to sway one way or the other there. But, you know, these big fights are, are not as legendary and not as frequent as we think. You know, I would look at Brett Kavanaugh and I would look back to Clarence Thomas in 1991. Yeah,
2: Josh, uh, it seems like uh, Democrats, are, at least some of them, Joe Lockhart and others, saying, I can't wait for Republicans to be voting against uh, a black woman right before the midterms. Yet, as to Chad's point, it's very possible that Republicans vote for this nominee, barring some, you know, events during the process.
3: Yeah, I, I do think that this Supreme Court confirmation fight isn't going to be much of a, a fight, I, all, unless Biden fumbles his own pick and, and picks someone that's not qualified or has, has baggage in their, in their background. Uh, I, I think you could see as many as you know ten Republicans in the Senate, maybe even a few more that could get behind uh, the, the, the nominee. I, 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 I do think. That um, certainly, like Senator Collins, Senator Romney, you you heard Senators Graham and Scott from South Carolina speaking very favorably about one of Jim Clyburn's uh, fa- fa- favorite picks that's in the, in the mix for for the nomination. So there there is this moment of bipartisanship that that could come despite all the the tribalism and partisanship in, in Washington. And it's you know it's it's in the this is a political boost for the White House. They need to change. The story, to some degree, uh, after having a dismal December and January, can't get anything passed through Congress and, uh, you know, dealing and struggling to deal with the economy and, uh, and and the COVID situation. But it also could help Republicans, showing that they're not just going to – I mean, they voted for infrastructure. 19 Senate Republicans supported the the infrastructure plan, and and, and they could get a lot of support for, for whoever Biden picks to the court. So I, I think this might be a rare moment where, where the parties come together and it doesn't have the uh, you know, zero-sum – uh, fisticuffs that we see in so many other fights. Yeah,
2: because also it's not it doesn't change the ideological, I- ideological bent of the court. Uh, liberal for liberal just younger perhaps. Um, Colin, meantime, You know, the president is talking more about bipartisanship, um, but it is actually coming after, you know, just a couple of weeks ago where he gave that speech about voting rights, where he called opponents uh, to that uh, Bull Connor and George Wallace and and others. So it's a different tone that he's striking now. Is that more about the polls or is that more about a real shift in this administration's thinking, do you think?
1: Oh, I think that speech in Atlanta a few weeks ago that you referenced, Brett, was a real low point for a presidency that's Uh, had many of them, frankly, in terms of just the -the over-the-top vitriol and and the words that he used. And I think uh, you saw a lot of even leading Democrats say, hey, that that went a little too far. Um, In terms of the political impact of this Supreme Court pick, if the Democrats think that this is going to bail them out of the midterms, it's a bit like rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned at the beginning in terms of the border, in terms of crime, in terms of inflation, in terms of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. So it's a political boost to them, no doubt. Uh, But the cake is baked in many ways heading into this midterm elections. And as it relates to bipartisanship, uh, President Biden's got to be very careful here because uh, midterm elections are inherently about getting your base out energizing your supporters those folks who would might show up to vote in a presidential year but might otherwise not in a midterm year and if he starts hewing too closely to the middle you'll start to see some pretty uh, disgruntled if if not more uh, angry people on the left who say hey wait a minute you haven't done any of the things you wanted you wanted you to do such as pass build back better such as voting reform such as a laundry list of of, of priorities on the, on the left wing so he, he's in a rock in a hard place guys let's hold it right there we'll continue after this
0: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on Foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
2: But, Chad, uh, you know, Russia, Ukraine, you've got a, a Senate classified hearing this week. Um, how much is that dominating what's happening on the Hill?
0: Well, it's starting to, uh, you know, command a lot of attention here. You know, there is some bipartisan support for a a bill, you know, that would sanction uh, Russia with teeth, you know, kind of the mother of all sanctions bills here. Uh, You know, and you have this big briefing that comes up as this Ukraine situation intensifies. Here's the thing to watch for, though. If you look back when the United States has put troops overseas or been somehow involved in a conflict, even on the periphery, you know, they've been pretty clear the Biden administration has they're not going to put troops in Ukraine and that has major geopolitical impacts, though. You start to hear from liberals like Pramila Jaipal, the chair of the Progressive Caucus, Barbara Lee, Democrat of California, the only member to vote against the authorization to go into Afghanistan in 2001 after 9-11 to say diplomacy should be the answer here. And you have this weird coalition of members on the left and members on the right who are starting to say, and this is not quite gelling yet, but it's getting there behind the scenes. What are we doing over there? Uh, You know, we have constitutional authority here in Congress, uh, you, you know, as to deploying troops and moving troops around and being militarily involved. You know, they were on the cusp of repealing the 2002 authorization uh, to go into Iraq. This was back in December. It passed the House last summer, and they just haven't synced up. They ran out of time in December. And so, you know, Congress is a little bit different when it goes to these issues of war and peace. You have a lot more progressive voices now, and you could have a schism among Democrats compared to what the Biden administration wants to do militarily, again, tangentially on the periphery as it pertains to Ukraine and what liberals on Capitol Hill are willing to stomach. Yeah.
2: And really, that's the the balance that we're looking at as we head towards the midterms, Josh. And, and that is the split between progressives and the moderates now on build back better. There are some progressives that are saying, you know what, just hand the pen to Senator Manchin and let's see what we can come up with, even if it's not everything we want.
3: Yeah. They, they're that shows the desperation that, that the Democratic Party is facing right now. And, and I think they know. That the odds of any type of built back better spending it faces long odds. Man- Manchin has retreated from his position that he would support, you know, 1.75 trillion or, or in that ballpark. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the expectation that Manchin is now going to go along with a compromise package is, is, is hopeful, but not realistic. Um, and, you know, you, you're seeing that schism that is going to be a defining narrative in the 2022 midterms, whereas where progressives know it's a tough political environment, um, and they have to decide whether they're going to play team ball and whether they're going to, you know, try to help Biden get smaller scale, uh, you know, policies passed, or uh, and, and try to work to to not jeopardize the White House's political standing, or whether they're going to look look more unified heading into the midterm elections. But as as Colin was saying, this is a rough environment no matter what happens.
2: Yeah, and uh, Colin, last thing on the Republican side, obviously there is a split as well, and that is the. The debate and wondering whether former President Trump is going to get in the race uh, long term in 2024, so long way away. But he's dominating uh, a lot of headlines, in part because he keeps on talking about the 2020 election. And uh, most recently saying that Vice President Pence could have overturned the election, which, by the way, he could not have. Uh, So that's a split in the Republican Party as well, Colin.
1: Certainly, and uh, any effort to relitigate an election that happened two years ago just takes away valuable attention and focus on what we should be talking about, which is the election in in nine months, and then the election two years after that. So uh, it's an unhelpful dialogue, uh, to be sure. Uh, but ultimately, as you see, these the, the the issues that we're dealing with right now that voters are feeling. I saw a poll saying seventy seven percent of voters. Uh, Fox poll is saying 77% of voters are really concerned about crime. The issues going on at the border. Uh, each day that these problems kind of pile up in front of people uh, impacting their everyday lives, and there's less and less oxygen uh, for uh, discussing an election that happened two years ago. And that's a smart move for the Biden administration to try and distract and deflect and, and, and refocus and relitigate an election they already had. But I think a lot of voters are ready to move on and and have a lot of things in front of them that, that they want to see people talking about that, frankly, their current elected officials in Congress are not.
2: All right, gentlemen, thank you. Now for a bit of history. On February 1st, 1865, President Abraham Lincoln signed the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, which abolished slavery. In 1947, Congress passed a bill to make the date National Freedom Day. That holiday proclamation was signed into law by President Harry Truman. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Josh, Chad, Colin, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.